0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Today I have Sarah Desamores, Compass Real Estate from Miami Beach. Sarah, welcome to the show.
1: Hello everyone.
0: So yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, I've, I was just saying before we got started that, uh, I was in Jackson Hole, Wyoming recently with, uh, you know, a bunch of my speaker and writer, you know, partners that run marketing edge and all the different events we do. And I said, you know, I really want somebody like young and vibrant and who's just crushing it just a few years in the business who really understands modern marketing and literally in the room like Sarah Sarah Sarah," like I got like three shout outs and I I remember saying to them her like I because I follow you on Instagram they're like yes she's absolutely amazing so that's a lot of that's a that's a lot of dare I say instant swag for my audience when they hear that Debbie Holloway and Jeff and Bill Pipes and Jason feel this way about you. Um, but let's go back. 2015, you're living in Montreal. You're working for like Scotia Bank, and then all of a sudden, you're a real estate agent in Boca. What happened?
1: Well, just a few um, corrections. So it was actually 2014, oh,
0: right? 2014. So okay.
1: 2014, and I moved to Miami. So I was in a relationship with a guy that was in Miami yeah and then i was pregnant so you know i decided to have my daughter in canada because canada is better for healthcare. obviously you know i was born and raised in montreal yeah. and our plan was you know when she's born after a couple of months you're gonna move you know you'll move to miami and i was ready to make the risk i was engaged um we were ready to go and i'm like okay we're gonna start a family in miami and everything and i left everything I had in Montreal, all my friends. And, you know, I worked for Scotiabank. I worked in mortgages. I never had to solicit one client ever in my life because I knew everyone. Yes. Right. So I left all of that and I moved to Miami where I had no friends, no family, nothing with a four month old baby. And I literally had to start over. And then when I moved here after a couple of months, the relationship didn't work. So I had to make the super tough decision. Listen, do I go back to to Canada where I'm comfortable? But my daughter is not going to know her dad. So I had to make a very tough decision and I gave myself a year. I said, let me give it my all for a year. And if really it doesn't work and I hate it and I can't see myself living here, I'll just go back to Canada. You know, me and her dad, we really get along. So he understood. And for one year, I hustled and hustled and hustled. And you know, I was a single mom at the time, and again, no friends, no family, nothing, and I had I, I had to start from scratch.
0: So, Sarah, someone's going to hear that story, and and you know, I'm I'm just such a fan of like fighting through the resistance, and that all of your your real sort of joy and happiness and growth comes outside of your comfort zone. A lot of people are going to think, man, I would have just hot-tailed it back up to Canada. I got parents there, you know, that guy can get on an airplane that's a, that's a bold move. Like, have you always been like that? Cause, or, or did that kind of, was that sort of post having a baby and just a different sense of doing the right thing? Like, what was your mindset?
1: So, you know, I've always been an entrepreneur, right? I've always done little things on the side. Even when I was working at the bank, I had a a food blog. You know, I ended up on a cooking show because I love cooking. So I've always done things differently, but I always kept my job at the bank because it was always comfortable, right? I didn't have to solicit. People would just come to me. It was very easy. But at the same time, I felt like I, I was stagnant, but I was comfortable. I knew I could do better, but I was just like, you know what? I'm fine. And when I made this bold move to this day, people think I'm crazy for having done it. Sure. And I don't think I would have been where I am today had I not made that move. I had to really get out of my comfort zone. I could have and I've always loved real estate. Yes. Always, always loved. I even took the class and got my license in Canada. I just never jumped full time because I was afraid of being on my own and not having the stability.
0: Okay. So there's, there's a lot for us to unpack here, but let's talk about that first year, right? So, you know, you know, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to listen to this podcast or watch video or see, you know, clips, you know, on, on all kinds of social sites. Um, The question I get a lot when I do like Q and A on Instagram is, Hey, I'm a new agent. What do I do? So I want to know from you, like, what did you, you said you hustled, but for the listener, remember, she's got a four month baby at home or somewhere. What did you do and how did you manage all of that?
1: It was tough. I'm not gonna start being all inspirational at first. No, I got it. To this day, I think that was one of the toughest moments of my life. I think I had postpartum depression, but I also think it was a combination of changing countries and you know the states are completely different from Canada, not having friends, not having a support system. So when I tell myself that I wanna do something, whether it's traveling or a career move, I do a lot of research before I do it, right? So again, I worked in mortgages, And I told myself, okay, maybe I can go back to mortgages. But then when I realized that there was such an opportunity in Miami for for real estate, I say, you know, people from all over the world, they buy here. Even my own family members owned real estate in Miami. So I said, that's an opportunity. Let me do some research. So did a lot of research on the market. Again, I didn't have my license all on Zillow. Um, Researched just what it was like being a realtor. I remember reading the book, uh, The Millionaire Real Estate Agent.
0: Yeah, Gary Kelly. And uh,
1: reading also uh, the book, The One Thing, and also the Seven Levels of Communication. I just read a lot of yeah. books, and yeah. when I did, I called all of the realtors that I knew that were very successful in Canada, and I asked them. Now I'm talking the realtors that that are selling fifty million and up, right? Yes. They were all my clients in the mortgage industry, and I asked them, "Listen, I want to be a realtor. What do I need to do?" Yeah. And most of them were like, "Finally."
0: <laughs> yeah, that's good.
1: They were like, finally, and I followed their advice. Exactly what they told me to do, I did it. They all told me the thing that came back. They said, you need to go full-time. Don't half-ass it. I'm sorry. I don't know if I can say that, but-
0: You did. uh, It's all good.
1: Okay. They said, don't go in it halfway or do part-time or whatnot. They said, if anything, find a job, save your money, and then go full-time. They said, don't go half into it. And the other thing they told me from the beginning, they said, get a mentor or get into some type of coaching.
0: Yeah. So we're talking, this is end of 2014, beginning of 2015. I mean, we're only talking, you know, four and a half years, five years of of your time in the business. So, so, you know, what's interesting about that, Sarah, a lot of my mentors would always say to me, you know, the, the, the sort of not so strategic thinkers ask how, and, and the really strategic thinkers ask who, you know, who do I need to ask? Who's already done it before? Who has the model that I can follow? The who is far more powerful. And you, I mean, you knew early when you said, I'm a researcher, I was like, I already know where this is going, right? So so tell me about year one, like where did your clients come from? You saw this opportunity, you're looking on Zillow, you're thinking, you know, Canadians buy here and, you know, and and people from South America and people from all over the world and people from Miami move up and down and around, right? But like, what, what, what did you do to generate clients in year one?
1: Okay. So reading all these books, I had no budget. I had money to buy books, right? I had, I could go on YouTube all the time, but I didn't have the the money that I had. I had to be very careful. I had to pay daycare for my daughter and I had to pay rent where I lived. Right? So I said, I don't have money for Zillow. I don't have money for systems or whatnot. Mm -hmm. So to get clients. Well, what I did the first year, I'm not with them anymore, but I joined Keller Williams because they were the only company that offered training. So while I was at uh, Keller Williams, I learned scripts. Yes. I learned expired scripts. I did bold. I learned uh, how to call my sphere, et cetera. So I just practiced the script. That's one aspect of it. Another aspect is that I would go on LinkedIn and just find anyone and just be like, Hey, how can I help you in your business? I know a lot of people in Canada, you know, it was kind of like a fake it till you till you make sure. it. I have people that tell me that they met me my first year and they didn't think it was my first year in real estate. I would just go to every single networking event that I could uh-huh. go to by okay. myself I would dress up like I'm a million dollar listing agent and everyone that I would meet, I would follow up with them, send them emails. I would, you know, I would invite them to coffee. Some of them didn't want to. And I was like, I'll bring you coffee at your office. Sure. So I would just meet as many people as I could Mm -hmm. and and I was again, strategic. I thought about it. I said, who can send me clients? I thought immigration attorneys, I thought estate planning attorneys. I also thought some mortgage lenders, because mm-hmm. I, you know, just starting in the business and just seeing and it, I saw language. that there was a, yeah. there's a lack also in customer service in Miami, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. And I said, you know, if even if someone works with a realtor, they might see that I have a different personality and maybe send me clients one day. So it was just months of hustling and meeting people. And eventually I got my first client. And then where did, it just- where,
0: where did that client come from?
1: So my first listing, it was a chamber of commerce person. That's Mm -hmm. someone that I met and I would see her at all the breakfasts and all of that. And I always followed up with her. And then after, I think not even two months in the business, she gave me uh, my first listing.
0: Congrats. Congrats. So go back to the LinkedIn thing. You said I would just go on LinkedIn and I would, you would just find people. I don't think it was random that you were finding people strategically because you mentioned like, I know a lot of people in Canada. Like, t- what was that again? Like, explain that.
1: So I would go on LinkedIn and I would look for people in the Miami area because yeah. that's where I live. Sure. And I would, I wouldn't DM them. I would actually look for them and call them directly. Because LinkedIn, you know, even me, if you send me a message, yeah. if you, you, you for sure don't want to reach me, just write me a message on LinkedIn. <laughs> so yes. I would um, I would find her phone number or sometimes one thing I, I would do that still works to this day, I would find them on Facebook mm-hmm. and then add them on Facebook. I feel like yeah. people really respond to that. So that was just a way to look for a specific type of people. For example, um, immigration attorneys, like I said yes. before.
0: Yes. People that, A, you can relate to, you've gone through it and you know they have a specific need. They got clients that need help. So I love it. And also so, other realtors. Right. So in year, in year one, how many transactions did you finish with?
1: So year one, so I, I say year one because I got my license in April, I believe. And then, so I count from April to December.
0: Yeah,
1: I sold close to $2 million and then I won mm-hmm. rookie of the year.
0: At- Congrats. Congrats. So was that, was that one listing at $2 million or was it five deals, three deals, 18 deals? Like give us context.
1: So that's what happened. So my first year I got the listing and I also got some buyers, right? And they weren't super expensive buyers. They were in the 200, 300,000 range, but one of those buyers, it was, I say it was kind of like a lucky thing where it was a $400,000 transaction, but because it was a new construction, they were giving like, I think, I believe 7% commission. Yes. So it really increased my production and I thought it was always like that. So (laughs) a lot of mistakes my first year.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I love it. So, so tell me about year two. So now like, okay, like I've, you know, my daughter's okay. I've got her in days and I want to, we're going to unpack, by the way, everyone that's listening, we're going to unpack, Hey, what's coming is like, how are you now running this crazy successful business? Your daughter is five, six, six, right? So homeschooling, run your business. Right. And, and, you know, work from home life, the whole experience we're all going through, we're going to unpack all of that, but I want to stay on this point of like, so tell us about year two or maybe better. When did it start to click? When did this business start to really make sense?
1: Okay. So year two, so year one, I was like, woohoo, this is awesome. I'm balling. Like, this is great. Blah, blah, blah. I overcame year two was the toughest year. Yeah. of my entire career in real estate because Why? year two, so basically year one. So what happens even to a lot of realtors, even people that I talk to now, everything right. goes well, you have a, like one or two deals under contract, and then you stop prospecting because you're like, Puh, I'm good. You know, like I'm fine. Yeah. And so you don't prospect and you don't go to as many networking events because you get busier. You don't send as many emails. You don't contact as many people because you think that like you've made it. Yes. Okay. So year two.
0: First of all, I just want to say, I love you. And by the way, that happens for people after year five, year seven, year 10, year 20.
1: Yeah. I learned it the hard (laughs) way. Like it was literally like a punch to my face. Yeah. Okay. So year two, I had some clients and things were going pretty well. I thought. Yeah. And I, I did have a couple of deals. It wasn't like a lot, but it was still, so, you know, it, it was going well, but I was kind of like, hmm, this is not going as easily as, you know, those, those sure, past sure. couple of months, the year before. And then something happened where, and I'm being super honest with everyone listening to this and I'm open about it, but um, my second year, in one month, I had four deals fall through. Four deals so those were through. all deals that I was waiting for, that I was like, sure. oh my God, like, this is it. Like, I'm good. I have four deals. Four of them fell, like, just fell through completely yep. for different reason. Within, I would say within six weeks and I panicked. I, li- mm-hmm. I completely panicked. I didn't know what to do. I had no more money. I mm-hmm. had some savings, but I'm like, I can't survive that long with these yeah. savings. And mm-hmm. for like a month and a half, I had to make a super tough decision. I had to, dr- to find like a part-time, which it wasn't really a part-time. So I drove Uber for like six weeks.
0: I I yeah you know, so I heard part of this so I'm so glad you were just like straight up like hey like I had to do whatever I'm I'm a single mom I got to do whatever it takes. So what was that yeah What's what crazy
1: me? about that is that I did it and I was super embarrassed about it and I really and I know my parents could have helped me. I know people could have helped me but I'm very hard-headed. I don't like to ask for for help financially ever. Yeah. So I'm like I'm going to do what I have to do and by doing that just for 6 weeks I got two clients. <laughs>
0: <laughs> really? Really? You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. If you're down on your luck as an agent, Uber. T- just not in California, but only my California friends will appreciate that. So, uh, so, so, all right, you do that, you make the transition, and, and then what happened? How did you finish year two? Or was that the end of year two?
1: year two so i did that but then everything came back but while i was doing uber and even Mm -hmm. when that happened i got this epiphany where i'm like there's no way in hell that i'm ever gonna let this happen to me again i said there's no way that i'm gonna put myself in a position where i have to find a part-time job because i really love real estate i really realize this is something that i want to do it's something i love doing i love helping people i'm like there is no way that i will do anything else but that yeah and I said, the only way that I can never go back into that situation is if I prospect. It's not just about going to events and whatnot. It's you have to pick up the phone and you have to prospect. Yeah. And I am not someone that grew up in Miami. I don't have a bunch of friends here. I don't have clients that are come left and right. I wasn't there yet. Right. And I said, I need to pick up the phone and I need, and I need to do it consistently.
0: Yeah. So, so where did this resolve come from? Are, are you the, are you the first child? The only child, the you, you, there's no way you could be the baby. I'm just, I'm just guessing. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, I mean that anyone that has kids you, you know what I'm talking about or if you, we were all kids at one point. So we get that right. you you sound very first child. I'm going to make my own way. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm not going to ask for help. That certainly served you a lot. Has that mindset ever caused you to stumble or hurt you in your business?
1: I mean, I think that, you know, when I told you the Uber situation, I think that I could have asked for help and I think that I could have maybe taken a credit card or instead of doing it. But I look at it both ways because now, because I've done it, first of all, I respect anyone who does it even more now because it's not easy. Yeah. And number two, it made me, it humbled me. Yes. It humbled me a lot. And it made me realize that, you know, you can have everything in the world and everything can come crashing down. Yeah. So it showed me the importance of having savings. It showed me the importance also of budgeting. When you have a, when you have a big commission, it's not going to be forever. You need to budget it. So I had to go through that and I had to be at zero to, to learn all of that.
0: Do you think that came from your like your formal education, your parents working for a bank, like where did that come from? Cuz what you're saying is common sense but and I'm not dogging people but the vast majority of people they get that big check and it's money 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 and they're out spending and they they get way out over their skis and then a deal falls apart and they're in trouble. You're like, "Okay, I've been there."
1: Okay. <laughs> been there than that. I was like that, you know? So yeah. I, that's why that's how I was living. Cause I'm like, Oh, this yeah. is a lot of money. I'll be yeah. fine. I have all these other deals pending, but four deals in six weeks. I feel like it was, that was the biggest sign from the universe that, Hey, yes. this, is, this is real life. Things like yeah. that are going to happen in, in real estate. Yes. It also showed me that you always have to have people in the pipeline. You can not depend on a deal.
0: Yeah. I love that you speak that language because, you know, like, I mean, that's, that's so our ecosystem, five, five, four, talk to your past clients, talk to new people every day, do your lead follow-up every day, nurture, nurture, nudge. Um, But let's talk about that question. I want to go back to, when did, when did the business really start to click for you? I mean, for, for context, tell people how many homes you'll sell this year and what kind of volume you'll do this year.
1: For this year. Okay. So this year, praying that it all goes well, I'm looking to sell 20 million.
0: Okay so so 20 million so you're going to make, you know, 450 500,000 bucks which listen, for a single mom, show me the money baby. I mean, congratulations. Okay. Right? With with COVID, thank you very much, which, you know, one of my closest friends lives right above Nikki Beach, so I you know, I get the inside scoop every time I talk to him about what's going on in the Miami marketplace. So, you know, you're doing phenomenal. When did it start to click and what was it?
1: Okay. So I, even though I was renting when I moved here, I lived in a very uh, expensive neighborhood.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Very, very expensive. I've I time, it's called uh, Pinecrest. That's yeah. where I lived. So a lot of celebrities live there. A lot of athletes live there. That's actually where I got my first athlete client. I got to him a house there. Mm-hmm. And I always told myself, I'm going to be the first black realtor who's going to be known all over Pinecrest. People yeah. used to tell me I was crazy and, and unfortunately the company and I don't want to bash any company, but they didn't really encourage me. They were like, "Oh no, you can't do luxury. You're too you're too young in the business you're and not you
0: don't know blah blah blah."
1: Yeah, they really tried to discourage me and I knew deep down inside I said, "I know that's the market that I want to work in. I'm I'm a marketing person. I love yeah. marketing. So when you have a more expensive listing, that's when you have more opportunities, right?" So right. And I knew the neighborhood by heart because I lived there. So I left that company. I went to a higher end company. I went to Douglas element at the time and my broker there who still encourages me, she always comes to watch me whenever I'm on stage and my broker at the time, she encouraged me my first week there. She's like, Oh, you cold call. She's like, well, if you get an appointment, I'll help you. So within a week of changing companies and being around top, top producers, I got my first million dollar listing. So Mm -hmm. when that happened, it just showed me that no matter how new you are, no matter how young you are, no matter what nationality you are, even if you don't fit in, someone is going to give you business. There is business for everyone. You just have to go after it. So from that moment on, that just my business has never gone down. It has only gone up from the moment I got this listing.
0: Okay. I just have to, I'm looking at Brenda right now. I want that moment right there on Instagram. <laughs> Brenda, my, my podcast producers, I see her starting to do this. So that's a profound moment, right? When you realize like, it's, it's like that moment of self-discovery, like, hey, I can do whatever I set my mind and intention and my work ethic to do.
1: Yep. And also that was the first, the only time
0: mm-hmm.
1: that I got a, that I got a listing at wow. the first appointment for in, in that caliber.
0: That's pretty incredible. And I'm assuming the property sold and then what happened from there?
1: Well, price with multiple offers. It set a record.
0: Isn't that great? And so, and how did, how did Pinecrest and the the general market react to that? How did the other agents react to it? And then what did you do?
1: That was just a stepping stone. And I always told myself, I just need one. I just need to do one. And then Mm -hmm. people know who I am now, especially in Pinecrest. I have clients that are buying or selling in that area. Mm -hmm. It's opened also just having that listing and having to deal with it for a couple of months showed me a lot. It showed me the because it was an expired listing. So I came in and I suggested staging and that's what they did. So it showed me also the importance of doing things differently, especially with it, yes. when it didn't sell the first time. And it also, the most important is that it showed me I have to bring in something to the table. Yes. Right. There's over 50,000 realtors in Miami. If you work with me, what is going to be different? So I have to make okay. sure that I'm very confident about it.
0: Yeah. That's another moment. I mean, so it's so great, Sarah. The question I was going to ask you is kind of, okay, knowing what you know now, if you were talking to somebody that was two or three years in the business and they were struggling, they were just, you know, like just a hard time getting their feet on the ground and really creating any, any type of momentum. You've already dropped a bunch of very good points, but I would ask you this, ready? Very pointedly. What are the three to five most important things? Someone that is struggling to get the momentum and keep it. What do they need to do? You said, you said prospecting, you said create some measurable degrees of separation, but tell me.
1: Some things are not business related. You have to oh, yeah. get disciplined in your life. Yes. Well, I think that's the number one thing. And I, I remember reading The Miracle Morning and saying, oh, these people are crazy. Who does that? Like who wakes up? I'm like, I have, I'm a single. And again, the whole victim mentality, oh, I'm a single yeah. mom. There's yes. no way I can do this. Yes. Da, da, da. I started waking up early and doing the same thing every morning. And mm-hmm. it just sets the tone for your entire day and for your entire life. So you have to get disciplined about things that bring success. And it's not just me. If you read about anyone who's super successful, there's something that they do every morning. 100%. So you have to get disciplined in your life. If you're not disciplined in your life, you're not going to have success in the business. or you might have success, but it's not going to be consistent. And I know it, I've lived it. I've seen other realtors that are not realtors anymore. I've seen how the people focusing more on the look of their brand instead of their craft. And instead of, you know, what do you do every day to get clients? Right. So I Mm. think discipline is number one.
0: Yeah. So discipline, morning routine, discipline, prospecting. And I love how you said discipline your craft. Right, because a lot of people, you know, they they want the fancy photos, they want the great-looking video, they want the beautiful brochure, but it's like, no, no, no. earning that. Like, a, I have a friend of mine who makes knives. I have another friend who makes wine, small batch. They don't do a lot of it, but they do it with so much passion, intensity, and discipline that the product is extraordinary. Right? I mean, I'm hearing kind of the same thing. So discipline is number one. What's number two?
1: I would say uh, not just discipline, but practice and just learning all the time. You need to know the business. I remember even before I was in coaching, I was watching your videos on YouTube all the time. I was listening to your podcast all the time. I was reading the blog every single day. You know, yeah. even Ryan Serhant, he has a lot of really amazing videos yes. on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, there's a girl Loida Velasquez who of course did that cold calling. So yeah. I would every day you need to you need to get better because you want to outwork other realtors. You want to make sure that you know more about the business. You know how to handle objections and also how to present yourself and how to speak to sellers, how to speak to buyers. But you can't just learn that like just by yourself. You need to, and we're so lucky that we have all these videos now. It wasn't like that before.
0: Yeah. Right. Like
1: I have followed other realtors. I've done open houses for other realtors. You have to learn. And you have to learn every day. It's not just once in a while you go to summit or you go to, yeah. Marketing edge. Just one time. No, every, all the time you need to learn, you need to read. So I think that's the second most important thing. Just always, wow. always looking to educate yourself.
0: Yeah. And I liked how you said it too, because, because again, there's 50,000 agents in your marketplace and you're competing all the time. And it, we talk a lot about the sea of sameness. We're going to talk about marketing a lot today, but that sea of sameness where most people just, everybody just kind of looks and acts the same. What are you going to do to stand out? right? So you got to learn, you got to figure out what everybody else is doing. Somebody that's doing something well in Montreal or New York city, or, you know, a a person in Miami, you can emulate and borrow R and D and then do it your way. So what's number, what's number three?
1: I would say number three would be to get really on top of it on social media. Okay. So when I started off again, I had no budget. That's when I started on Instagram because I said, okay, what's free and where is there a lot of people? (laughs)
0: That's a, by the way, it's a good strategy. What's free where all the eyeballs are.
1: Exactly. You know, whether it's even other realtors, right? Some people say, oh, well, there's a bunch of realtors following me. You never know. I have realtors in my own market who have given me referrals because I speak French.
0: Yep. Yes. So just
1: getting it right on Instagram and Facebook. Mm -hmm. I think those are the top top. Well, now there's TikTok, of course, but the easiest ones where you can find people easily it yep. are those two platforms and you need to, to be on it every single day.
0: Have you seen, uh, I was just looking at this company, uh, buddy of mine introduced an investment in Triller T R I L L E R. Yeah. It's a, it's the U S LA version of TikTok. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. It could be the next Beluga or Friendster who knows. So w- when you say get all, yes, <laughs> my team got that reference. That's good. Um, I was on Beluga by the way, just heads up. And I was on Friendster. That did not work out. I bet it, I bet it more aggressively on Facebook. So when you say get all over social, what do you say to the person that, you know, I mean, look, you have a lot of charm, a lot of charisma, a lot of energy. I've said for decades, if you want to give me a person that I can help become the number one agent in the world, give me a female single mom who has an accent and I can basically take over the world like that. Like that's it. You with me? And I'm not, I mean, I've been saying that literally for 20 years. So, you know, you, you fit that persona. What do you say to the person that's like, yeah, but I'm not that. I'm not young. I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't have her flavor, her energy. Should I be doing social?
1: Everyone has something that works for them. Yeah. Everyone has this one hobby that they like doing. Yeah. Where they're going to find people that are going to like that hobby. Yep. Okay. I know realtors that are older and they're always posting their golf stuff.
0: Guess yes. what? They're
1: getting a bunch of clients because they love golf. Social media is somewhere where you can share who you are as a person. Yes. And because at the end of the day, you want to work with people who like you as a person. Yeah. Not just, oh, come listen. And then they end up being like the devil on earth and yes. you guys don't get along. So I think it's so much easier when you work with people that have common interests. So yes. whatever it is, and I always tell that no matter what age and in no matter what business, whatever it is that you like, make sure that you're posting about it, not just real estate. Yep. If you like to cook, there's a girl at Compass that she's always posting her pies. And I'm sure she, it made her click with so many people.
0: For sure, for sure. But
1: so just find what you like and share about it. It's, yeah. I think it's easy when, yeah. when it's something, it's not like forced. If you like to cook, it's not forced that you have to post a meal that you're cooking. You do it all the time, right?
0: Bingo. Bingo. And you know, the old line, your vibe attracts your tribe, right? Like what, what you're into attracts more people. My, my younger brother who maybe you met Patrick said to me, yeah, I got like a $2 million listing because I posted a photo of my Vesla dog. And the guy's like, you have a visla. I have a visla That's a very rare dog. And you know, Hey, and you're in the real head. We want to talk to you. He's like, I got to come list me call for $2 million. Because I post photos of my dog, it's it's the same thing.
1: It's so true. Well, it's the same with my daughter. I remember yes. my parents. You know, my parents are I'm a Caribbean, I'm Haitian, so they're very um, old school when it comes to sharing your children on social media. Mm-hmm. And you know, some family members were panicking. Oh no, don't share your daughter, etc. But because I share her all the time, you have no idea how many referrals I get of people that have families that they said yes. they're moving from out of town and they know that I can help them with schools because I have a, a kid. Bingo. Or even French. I did the entire relocation of a French company yes. because of my social media, because I could help them find schools that have French programs.
0: Do you, so I know we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about social and marketing and, and strategy here, um, but just delving into it for a second. Do you do much uh, stuff in French targeted specifically to either people in France or people in, in Montreal, Quebec, et cetera? Do you do any of that or like, how does that, how does that work?
1: I don't, I don't mm. target French people because mm. most of my, I want, I want my videos to be more international and English yes. is a more international language. That's how yeah. I operate. I mm. do some stuff in French sometimes, yeah. but what I do is really more of an in-person type of thing. I go to all the French, uh, the, the French American commerce chamber yes. events. Yes. Uh, Pre-COVID, I would travel back to Montreal at least every three months. And it's Mm -hmm. not just traveling for fun. I wouldn't travel there to meet up with the big, big realtors, the lenders, with people who work in banks, in wealth management, or even here at my daughter's school, I'm pretty involved. I I just, I'm more in the community, in that community, rather than just targeting them on social media.
0: I love it. You're being a part of the community and that's, that's a, it's a great, there's no right or wrong way, but I love the approach of, I'm just going to be a part of it, right? Just be in there, help make a difference, make connections, win business. Um, let's talk about your daughter, right? So, so, you know, a lot of people are struggling with or questions I'm getting more and more of, okay, you know, I'm a single parent, you know, one of my friends has two kids and he has a hundred percent custody of his children, right? So, you know, how am I going to manage? Listing appointments, buyer appointments, managing my business, doing my social, running around, do all the things I do, teaching them at home, right? And making dinner and 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 doing doing hair and everything else. So so how are you managing all of that? Give us give us some sort of tactical advice on what we should do if we want to be better at all of it.
1: Well, the I think the first thing that I want to talk about, since I told you before I'm the type of person I don't like to ask for help, I had to get out of that mentality. I really had to, to yeah. Realize that I cannot be successful in this business if I don't have help. Thankfully, I was able to find other realtors in my market. That's why it's so important to connect with other realtors. The real, other realtors are your family. They're yes. not your competition. They're not your enemy. You have no idea what we can do as together. Yes. I have other realtors that are also single moms or mm-hmm. have a family. I have realtors that, tell, that told me from the beginning, Sarah, whatever help you need, you can just drop Eva with me. And I've had to use them a couple of times. I've had to, hey, I have this last minute appointment. Would you mind watching her for an hour? And those are people that I trust. So not being afraid to ask for help. And the second thing, and that came from my coach, Hank. uh, When I started coaching with him, I remember freaking out. Like maybe when I started with him, maybe two years ago, Mm -hmm. I'm like, I need an assistant. I need an assistant. he's like, no, you need like help with your daughter. You need like a driver. (laughs) So I had to learn to delegate certain things, especially the mornings uh, with her uh, school drop off. I'm sharing a nanny in the morning. I actually had found another nanny for her, for the ballet and tennis things like that. Although I love taking her, but it would cut my day in half. Yes. So realizing that it's okay to ask for help and to get help. You're not a bad parent. You're not a horrible person. If you have someone else picking your kid up and taking them home to help you out or staying with your kid for a couple of hours. And I can only do that if I do well in the business. Yes. If, I, if I don't do well, I'm not going to be able to pay them. Yeah. And also um, delegating things like cleaning. I get a cleaning lady that comes every two weeks and What that does is that I used to spend all day Saturday and Sunday cleaning and doing the the laundry. Now I can spend more quality time with her because I'm very busy during the week. So just not being afraid to delegate and asking for help.
0: Yeah. I think a lot of people, I mean, there's, you know, you you know, if we had a, a panel of a thousand people here, you could literally get a thousand different opinions about what you just said. Right. But being raised by a single mom right? As the number two child, the the more responsible, if you will, no knock on my older brother, Matthew. I love you, buddy. Um, But I was the one that was like, she's like, Hey, listen, when you get back from school, make sure this happens, this happens, here's your list, get the beanie weenies in the crock pot, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, you just, she said, Hey, we're doing, she would say to us, we're just doing the best we can. Right. Why, why do we always have crappy taco salad on Tuesdays? She's like, cause it's just easier for me to just have the same five or six meals. Like now I understand what she was going through. So, so, so trading money for time. That's what I'm hearing. What do you say to the person that says, but I don't have the money and therefore I can't do it. Like, what do you say to that person?
1: I was the person with no money that couldn't do it. So I had to find friends and I had to find people around me. Now, thankfully I have some family here. But before that, I just had to become really good friends with people at her school or her daycare and we would always help each other out. So getting out of I had to get out of my comfort zone because I'm, I'm not the typical mom -mom type. I'm, I'm kind of a, I don't know how to explain it, but I'm not super the typical mom that has the perfect lunch prepared and the perfect breakfast and so it was a bit weird for me to start talking to the other moms but it's something that really made everything so much easier and so much better for me too because they helped me a lot i've helped them let's say you know one of them wants to go back on the job market that that's happened a lot and they're like Mm -hmm. hey i don't know how to handle this interview and i could help them with that so it's like we help each other out so you have to have a village
0: yes yeah not cliche. Very true. Very real. My wife's um, at least, at least three of my wife's closest friends today, and my oldest son is 21 for context, are all of her original buddies from her mommy and me group from back when the kids were six months old. So so I love I mean I love hearing that. Single moms, you know, ones that work, ones that don't work. It's the it's you know, it's the whole pool of experience. So what about school? What are you gonna do with school this year? Woo! <laughs> I'm not this getting political. Was, I'm just saying like, this is that real was hard. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> you, you know, when they did the, um, when it started in yeah. uh, March, April, Yeah. it was rough because, right. you know, she's in school and then after school she's in daycare. Mm-hmm. Right. So I had to homeschool her in the morning for a couple of months. It, it was hard. So I was really from nine to one, I was completely busy with homeschool. So I had to change my whole schedule around. And I remember at the beginning of the quarantine or whatnot, whatever it's called, I completely stopped the whole morning routine thing, just like everyone else did, because I had really weird insomnia. Maybe it was the stress of everything and (sighs) what was going on. I had trouble sleeping, so I wasn't waking up early. Mm -hmm. And when school started, after I think two weeks, I said, I can't do this anymore because I'm not available anymore from nine to one as much, like I'm available on my phone, but not for showings or anything. And I have to wake up early again. And that was also the moment where it clicked. I said, I'm, I had started the process, but that was the moment that I hired my first assistant.
0: Bingo, bingo. So, so I love the, the be honest, cause I think a lot of people, you know, a, a lot of, you know, they COVID punched a lot of people in the face, right? And I watched a lot of people step more into greatness and I watched a lot of people I love and respect that were just like, I can't sleep. I'm totally dealing with all the uncertainty. I've got kids at home. Like I went from being an empty nester to all my college kids moving back home to my house. And like, so, so it created a lot of uh, angst for people. So in the middle of all this, you hire an assistant. What was that like?
1: That was insane. Okay. So um, I was already kind of starting to process. I used a wise hire. Yep a couple of people and I, I, you know, when you just start and you're not really into it, but then Mm -hmm. I'm the type of person where I look at the opportunities. So when COVID started and I saw that my business was still rolling as usual, even almost better because I I was already doing the virtual tours. I was already FaceTiming my, my clients and showing them properties. And I was already doing that. So things didn't really change. People were even more upset that, you know, sometimes we couldn't do a showing. Right. So when I saw, Hey, my business is still going, how am I gonna figure this out with my mm-hmm. daughter at home? I need help for the admin stuff yeah I'm a great salesperson with admin I'm horrible yeah zero, not good, late all over the place so-
0: no no s c in your dis profile <laughs> lot of lot of i lot of d yeah.
1: high d high i not yeah, yeah. so yeah. i'm I said you know a lot of the things that I do in the morning sometimes I waste a lot of time with admin stuff, so mm-hmm. I hired my first assistant and Obviously, she couldn't start at the beginning because I didn't know if offices were going to open. It was a bit weird. And then after about a month of hiring her, so early May, I was freaking out and I was like, can you start like virtually? (laughs) Yes, yes. And she started virtually at first part time because it was a lot of uh, learning at first, you Mm -hmm. know, the systems and whatnot uh, for about two, three weeks. And then she became full time. This changed my life. It changed. I think it's changed my career it's changed my customer service experience with my clients because I can be more present when I'm talking to them. I'm not freaking out looking for paperwork or trying to send something through dot loop while I'm doing a showing. Right. So, you know, during COVID, I just look at everything as an opportunity. I said, okay, during this time, a lot of realtors are going to fall off because I was seeing it on Facebook, Instagram, people were full of excuses, complaining the whole time, talking politics, just looking at like the worst case scenario. But the way I looked at it, I said, okay, even if there's a war, People are going to look for a hut, okay? <laughs> right, exactly. I said, we're lucky. We're in a business where people yes. are going to look for a roof over their head. Yes. COVID or not. Yes. So That's I said, great, okay.
0: Yeah. So what did you do differently once you had the assistant in place?
1: Oh, my God. So I um, – it's funny. On my, on my vision board, I had a whole – I have a, the wording, customer service excellence.
0: You know I love that. So tell us about that. What did you do?
1: So I – Even before looking for the assistant, I wrote down a list of my processes, Mm -hmm. right? Like, okay, I get a referral from a realtor. What do I do next? Do I send them an email to say thank you? Do I send them a handwritten note? I just did all my processes for when I get a buyer, when I get a seller, when I get a tenant. I just wrote all of them down. And as I was reading it, I'm like, wow, it would be really great if I really did that.
0: (laughs) All these amazing ideas. But isn't that like, you know, we've talked about, I'm certainly with your coach Hank, right? Like it's the if this, then that. And I think what most people make the mistake, and there's a great lesson here for everybody listening is, you know, what Sarah did is she said, here's all the ifs. If this happens, I should do this. I know I should do this, but we don't because we don't have help.
1: Exactly. Or even if I want to do it, I don't have the time. Um, I
0: was
1: completely overwhelmed.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: Just an example. When I finish a transaction, sending out an email, asking for a testimonial, sending a thank you or when I get a, a referral from a realtor, just having a templated email to, to tell them thank you and to send yes. them a gift. or I'm like, it, it would be great if I did all that. So just by writing down my processes, I'm like, ooh, that would be awesome. Yes. And then with having an assistant, everything is getting done without me even realizing.
0: How long is that list now of if this, then that, your processes? Oh, How many it's pages about is that?
1: five pages. Yeah. it's ongoing. It keeps of course. growing and growing. So right. it, it's just for me, I'm about quality, not just quantity. The experience with my clients, I want it to be extraordinary. I want them to to love me. I want them to write me a testimonial. I want them to refer me to their friends and family. And Mm -hmm. that's not gonna be done just by me selling their house and for them getting a lot of money. It has to be a good experience from start to finish. So that was my biggest goal for this year. Because last year I was so overwhelmed, I felt like I Mm -hmm. kind of fell off. Because you know, in business, when things start picking up and going really, really well, There's a few things in customer service that are not the same. You know, you don't respond as fast or, you know, little things happen where it doesn't make the customer service experience as good as 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 it was when you only had two or three clients. Right. So I said, I want to get back to that, but I can only do that with help. Yeah.
0: Well, what happens when we get busy? Client experience drops, marketing marketing and prospecting drops, right? Those two things all the time.
1: But so, I realized I want to keep prospecting. So what right. am I going to do with the rest? So yeah. I had to get help.
0: So, so were you able to take that list, give it to your assistant and say, this is what I want done every single time when X happens, do Y?
1: Yep. It's like very, very precise, very specific. And again, it changes all the time, right? Like I had a template. So for example, just to give an example. Yes, so when, when a client goes under contract, I have an email that I send them with a big congrats. Mm -hmm. And with a copy of the contract and with all of the dates that are important, letting them know that, listen, this is what you need to do next. And I'm here if you need any help, here's my assistant. She's going to be with us throughout the entire transaction. I CC the attorney, I CC the lender and just that email. And also in the email, I let them know you're going to get calendar invites. So I can't do, I can't live without a calendar.
0: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Exactly.
1: So they they know that they're going to get calendar invites for all of the deadlines and everything, just that email. I have had clients, especially when I get a referral from another realtor, they'll go back to the realtor who referred them. They're like, Oh my God, you referred me to like someone that's like insane. Like I've never, I've, I have older clients that are like, this is like my 15th transaction and I've never had anyone do that or be disorganized, yes. but it was all a matter of like having processes.
0: Bingo. And then ultimately being able to turn it over to somebody else and letting them make sure it happens every single day versus you being busy with your daughter or buyers and sellers.
1: Exactly. And those are all things that they're useful, but they're not like lead generating type of things, right? So just having down your processes and enhancing customer service, that was my goal for this year because I say with. If people are happy with the work that you do, this is all you need. It's why, yeah. you know, you mentioned a Rolls Royce of realtors. Yes. That's not, I didn't even have all of that. And that's the experience I was giving my clients when I only had three or four. Yes. And I want to continue that now.
0: So let's talk about it. I'm going to go very granular with you. I want to talk about like, tell me about your buyer consultation or what are the, what are the what's the process you have? Like we talk about process there. So what is your buyer consultation like? for a new buyer that's coming into Miami or an existing person who's trying to figure out, help me decode the next neighborhood I should be in. What are the steps? What's the process you follow?
1: So when I started off, I had more buyers than sellers. Mm-hmm. So the, I feel like buyers is really something that I narrowed down and that I know how to, how to work very well. So mm-hmm. I have a, now I have a link, a Calendly link, where people can book me directly for a buyer mm-hmm. consultation. So now I added the virtual aspect of it Mm-hmm. i have different types of buyers so there's local buyers and i also have to deal with a lot of foreign buyers so their mm-hmm. questions are totally different if yes. i have a foreign buyer it's a longer consultation, consultation. right so yes. usually what i do even if it's a referral i'll have them book it through the the link because then they can see what works for them right and yes. then they can book me directly it goes in my calendar and then once they get that they'll get the email hey looking forward to, to speaking with you either through zoom or over the phone mm-hmm. that's what we're doing now Yeah. Sometimes I did it in person, but most even pre-COVID, I did a lot of it over the phone or on Zoom because then you can stay at work.
0: Yeah. Yes.
1: It's less time, right? You don't have to go to the office or it's just better for everyone. So I have a very, uh, I have a pre-buyer consultation. So the pre one, it's like 15 minutes, just, Hey, what are you trying to do? Blah, blah, blah. If I see that they're super serious, ready to get pre-approved and whatnot, then I schedule another longer consultation.
0: So the first one is like basically warm up, build rapport, connect, and then figure out like who they are, what, what are they trying to accomplish? Are they, are they in research phase or ready phase? Am I, am I hearing that kind of? Yeah. Just
1: me trying to get to know them, right? Yes. yes. You know, I, sometimes I have Canadians that book me and they're like, yeah, I want to get like a waterfront property. Like my budget's a hundred K, you know, they're yeah. like a little bit... <laughs>
0: You're like, okay, the Dominican Republic might have something for you, but not here.
1: Right, right. So like I, you know, it's just for me to kind of feel them out to yes. see where they are. To see also, I like to do personality matchmaking when it comes to mortgage lenders.
0: Oh, I love that. I love that. What do you use? What's your process? Like, how do you figure out the personality By talking profile? to
1: them. So okay. because I used to work in lending, I'm very picky yeah. with the mortgage lenders that I work with. Yes. Right. So I have the guy that's from New York, that has a New York accent, that's great with first time home buyers. I have mm-hmm. this other guy from New York who's straight to the point, who only works with super wealthy people, no yeah. no time for BS, yep. right? Yep. I have this other lender. She's amazing, patient yep. with first time home buyers. I have four lenders that I work with that, mm-hmm. depending on the personality that I'm getting from the client, I like to match them that way. I love and that. I'm right 100% of the time. The only times it doesn't work is really if the lending doesn't work, and then we yeah. have to go through like a a non-conventional or whatnot, but yeah. most of the times I'm like, Oh my God, thank you so much for connecting me.
0: Yeah. They're my new best friend. I love them. Or, Hey, he was really straight to the point. Thank you. I don't have, th- I don't have any time. So, so tell us about the second consultation. So, so, so they qualify, you get them to your lender, but what do you do next? Like what's the steps you go through?
1: So I have a jot form
0: mm-hmm.
1: that I well, It used to be like when, you know, when I would do it in purpose Center, I would have like the paper or I would just fill, you know, I have about four, almost five pages of questions that I ask them.
0: Yes. You know, people are going to say, can I get a copy of that? Yeah, they can. Yeah. Brenda, let's put that, let's put that on the blog when we post this.
1: I really yeah. don't mind sharing it. It's yeah. very, it's very basic, mm-hmm. but I find that those are the, the most crucial questions to ask. Right. Give, so us, an, first, you know, give, give us an asking, example. Hey,
0: give us an example of a bunch of the questions. Like we know the obvious bedrooms and baths and all that stuff but beyond the obvious.
1: Sure. Well, at first there's questions like, hey, like if it's a couple, who do I talk to the most? Great question. Very like basic questions or, hey, do you prefer that I text you or that I call you or that I email?
0: Yeah. Are there
1: particular times that, you know, are you not available at all? Are you an attorney that you're really not available before five, right? So just basic questions on, I just want to, I'm here to help you. I don't want to be a nuisance. Is that the word? Nuisance?
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) By the way, your French Canadian accent is almost becoming a little French Canadian Spanish. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good with accents. And I'm like, I'm hearing a little Spanish there. So so you you ask them all these questions to figure out like what is the best perspective? What's the best communication strategy? Who's gonna be on point?
1: How can I help you type yes. of thing, right? Yeah. And also timelines. You know, we discuss, hey, do you need to sell where you live now? Like just getting to know them more. Timeline, when are you planning to come? When does your job start? Just getting to know their situation a little bit more specifically after, especially after they spoke to the lender. Right. Yeah. So, and then after that, I don't just go into beds and bathrooms, bathrooms. I know Miami very well with Mm -hmm. their budget. It might also be a very big reality check check for them. Yes. Yes. Right.
0: So so how do you bridge that gap?
1: So I ask just a lot of questions about what you're looking for. You're looking for a home with a pool. Why do you need a pool? If you don't want a pool, are you okay if there's one, right? Mm -hmm. And a question that I ask that sometimes people are like, why are you asking me that? I'll ask them, do you have anything that you need to store that's particular where you would need space for it? Mm -hmm. I ask that question a lot and then you'd be surprised with what I hear. I've had attorneys tell me, oh, well, actually I need like a storage space in this condo building because I'm a DJ on weekends.
0: Yes, Yes. Yeah. Where am I going to put my turntables and all my records? And yeah, I love it. That's fascinating. Yeah. What's this? What? But what's the strangest thing you've heard?
1: I think that the DJ thing is crazy or this other guy who's a, well, it's, it, I have clients. They yeah. were actually my tenants at one of my properties. And th- this guy is a, a collector of toys. Yes, yes. And then I realized that he's YouTube famous, like unboxing, like Star Wars toys. And things. I was like, what? <laughs> I had no idea.
0: Yeah, I love it.
1: Right. Yeah. I, I had absolutely no idea that he was a collector and that he was YouTube yes. famous. So sure. that question is very important because sometimes we just think it's about bedroom, bedrooms yep. and bathrooms. But some people might, might have particular hobbies. You know, there's people that like to to cut wood or to do DIY. So they need a, a garage. So mm-hmm. when you you know, if you don't ask these questions. And then you send them a bunch of listings and then you don't send them the thing with the garage. they are going to be like, this girl doesn't understand what I'm looking for. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I try to be as specific as possible, especially with the areas that they want.
0: Go to, go to that part. How do you help them decode, decipher what's the right neighborhood based on their needs, wants, and then start you know, picking that out when they probably have been on Zillow or some other site and said, but I really like this and this and this and this.
1: Yeah. So, well, one of the questions I ask is, where are you going to be working? Okay. Number one, where are you going to yeah. be working? And what is the commute that won't drive you insane? Because there's a lot of traffic in Miami. It's really, really bad here. So yeah. if someone tells me, listen, like commute for me is really important. I don't want to drive more than 30 minutes. Then I might tell them, listen, let's say you're a pre-approved, just an example, you're pre-approved for 800,000. You say you don't want to go over 500,000 but you say you don't want to commute more than 20 minutes. Unfortunately, if you want to stay closer to downtown, you are going to be in that price point. It's all a reality check. Yeah. Right. I'll ask them also about the schools for their, if they have children, Mm -hmm. are schools important? Are you going to send them to private school? If you're going to send them to a local school, you have to really look into that. You want to make sure that you live somewhere where you like the local school that's assigned. Right. So just asking as many, and usually it's and I tell them in advance, I say, you know, it's going to be a long consultation, but you're going to thank me in the end because what happens most of the time when I'm sending the listing, they're all like, Oh, all the listings are like, wow. They're like all perfect. Yes. Right? Or, yeah, they, they actually really
0: match my big. criteria. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And we're not spending months looking for properties We're, you know, I just, I have one that we're under contract now. It, it's after, it was after a second day of showing. Yeah. Yeah. So just Beautiful. because I narrow it down, it just makes the process so much easier and less Painful for them in terms of visiting, right? Because well, it's we're really looking at what they
0: want. You go back to what you said earlier, which is, like, hey, so so the word is uh, omotenashi, which is like the, the Japanese word or phrase for like exceptional client experience, right? Omotenashi, right? So you're you're saying I'm going to go out of my way. We're going to take more time. We're going to slow down the process, but I'm only going to show you what matters to you. And then I've got my assistant making sure all my processes are working. So you can do what you do best and be with your daughter.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I can also, you know, for them, I can be available to answer all of the questions they have. And that's another thing with my clients, even with the buyer consultation and going back to the beginning when I told you that I met up with a lot of people in the industry, just networking Mm -hmm. with them. I was able to, I work with amazing attorneys. I work with amazing lenders. I work with amazing inspectors. And those are all people that I've formed such a good relationship with that if my client... Before she puts an offer on a property, she has a legal question, she can text my attorney and ask a question to my attorney for free. Or if they have a question about a potential problem with an inspection, before the inspection, they can call the inspector or text the inspector and just say, hey, Sarah sent me, Sarah said I could contact you. And they will answer their questions without charging them. It's
0: It's beautiful.
1: Well, it depends, you know, when it comes to the legal stuff, you know, there's a limit. But just for basic questions, I have such an amazing network of people around me that can assist them and answer their questions to answer the questions that I can't answer.
0: Yeah, and you know what I love about that? Yeah, I know that that was something you established and created. You don't just do that by default. You say, hey, this is how we work. We send each other a lot of business. This is what's important to me. Can my client call you? And then you create this sort of umbrella effect of that client feeling fully taken care of.
1: I, I totally forgot something. So Tell remember it. I told you I do the first mini consultation and then yeah. after that I connect them with a lender. Yeah. So I created a three page, no, it's a four page, like a quick document mm-hmm. where I talk about just the steps
0: yes. in purchasing like the home. The home. Process, yeah.
1: yeah. But it's super short. It's like, I just email it to them as a PDF and there's my photo, there's a mini bio, there's the, the steps in buying the home. And then in the end, I put um, the most common terms and their explanation. So once I'm done with that, even before the consultation, I send them that because, you know, when they talk to the lender or whatnot, they might see those terms and then they can just refer back to that document.
0: Yeah. Yeah, And that's something
1: I can share also. I don't, I don't mind. I'm a.
0: You're a shareholic. I love it. But that's okay. So that brings up like one of the questions I want to ask you and then we'll finish with marketing. So I got two last questions here. The, The thing I wrote down is what's been the biggest impact of like this ecosystem, the community that you're a part of with us, your coach Hank, like. How has that helped you?
1: That changed my business completely. I mean, I was already a believer in coaching. I was already a believer in um, having mentors, right? But Tom Ferry, so you're the ecosystem. I always knew I needed to be there. But for me, I was like, oh, maybe I'm not there financially or whatnot, because I know it's the best. Yeah. And the moment that I made the decision to fully get coached and not once every two weeks, I mean, every week, so in um, elite coaching, when you're held accountable by someone that you pay a lot of money to, (laughs) you have no choice but to perform. And it's it's insane. It's really even hard to explain what it does to you. Mm -hmm. Because especially when you start seeing results, and you start seeing that you start making changes in the way you conduct business, but knowing that you, you have to report to someone every week and that you pay them, Right. Right. <laughs> right. It's just, it's just amazing to me. And also I think the most important thing with the ecosystem is imagine, I, I just have this, um, I just have this belief that anyone who's in coaching is a good realtor. Most of them. Yeah. Right. So yeah. just taking a regular realtor compared to the 50,000 realtors, let's say in Miami, the one yeah. getting coached is probably doing very well. So me being able to be connected with all of these agents that are doing very well some of them are doing way 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 better than me and even the newer agents where i can learn from them because they're still open to coaching so they might be something that i've never done right like that's how i discovered bomb bomb this new agent all she does is send bomb bomb videos right so just being surrounded you know they say you're the you're the product of the five people around you. So in coaching, when you go to the events and in the, in the ecosystem, you're surrounded by people who want to do better in their business. So that can only be an advantage to you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people get that. I mean, you know, obviously a lot of our coaching members in our sort of broader ecosystem, like they, they get that. Um, But I look at you and, you know, again, like how did this whole thing start? I'm, I'm in Jackson Hole. we're working on the summit and I'm like, I just, I want to just interview somebody that's kind of, hot and up and coming, newer, you and they're like, oh, and like literally three of, three of my most senior coaches. You got to talk to Sarah. So the thing that, and I'm, I'm literally saving this for the end. The thing that everybody, there's a lot of things that, that you continue to impress by your contribution back to the ecosystem and, and then the way you're growing your business and how you operate yourself. And it's, listen, it's very impressive what you're doing. I just want to congratulate you. It's very, I mean, you have seen nothing yet because your potential is off the charts, right? And with time and age and experience and a little more swag and probably a little larger team, like what's available for you is bananas. Every one of those three said, you got to talk to her about her social media strategy, right? That, that really seems to be the place that I mean, like I've been following you for a while now. And I'm like, I just saw it, like some comment on Facebook. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to check that out. Okay, cool. Instagram. Wow. Like she's, she's really crushing there how would you describe your social media strategy, your approach to video, Instagram, Facebook, et cetera? You kind of talked earlier about LinkedIn. Does that still apply? Does it not apply? Like, talk to us.
1: Well, social media, and I I mentioned it, it's free. So some people pay a lot of money for targeting, and that's great. But Mm -hmm. I realized that I've formed my most authentic relationships through social media. It is unlimited. The potential there, you can reach as many people as you want with just one post. Right. So the way that I looked at social media, I look at it like reality TV. So my social media is a reality TV of my life. It's the edited version without the drama, right? Sometimes I add the drama. (laughs) Love it. So I started off just documenting everything, just, you know, posting when I would get my first listing or. Hey, you know, I have a buyer that's looking there. Hey, just close this transaction. Super happy and just being very authentic about my process. I never pretended like I was a realtor for fifteen years. I never pretended like a listing that's not mine was mine, right? I would say, I'm saying, hey, I would say, hey, I'm at an open house. Check this out. It's not my listing, but this is what I'm looking at, right? So, yeah. just documenting my life and even just as a single mom, documenting that sometimes I have to bring my daughter to showings to this day. And I'm just sharing my life. I'm not trying super hard. The only thing is that on my feed for Instagram, Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that I appear in it more often than my, the properties.
0: 100%. Why? I know why, but tell me why.
1: (laughs) So people follow you because they like you, not because they like the house or whatnot. They like you as a person. So I have much higher engagement mm-hmm. when I appear in the photos or when mm-hmm. someone appears in the photos. It could be a client, it could be my daughter, but mm-hmm. just in general, just my engagement, you'll see, let's say a hundred something likes for a just sold or whatnot, or a just listed. And you'll see like 500, 600 likes and a bunch of comments on when I'm in the photo.
0: Yes. Yeah. And I think everyone listening right now needs to pay attention to that. I literally had this conversation a year and a half ago with one of my clients. I'm like, I'm on your Instagram page and I unfollowed you. And she was like, oh, you've known me for like, you know, 17 years. You coached my mom, you coach me. And this is not the gallons who so I was just another, you know, mother-daughter team. And I said, because I don't need to see all of your listings. I would like to see you, your kids, your husband, your friends, what you guys do, the way you travel, your life. I said, that's why I would go watch you on Instagram. I already know you sell a gazillion houses, but literally like now they're altering their strategy and they're seeing the same thing where a, a listing in their case might only get like five or six hearts. And now a photo with, you know, her and her kids off the charts, you know, like 800 likes.
1: It's so true. And I had to, to make the change as well, because before I had a personal Instagram, then I had a business Instagram. Yes. Yeah, and then I just decided to just use my business Instagram and add personal stuff to it. So which sucked because my personal I had a lot of followers. So I kind of like let that go, and I brought everything to my and I put my name. At first, I had this thing called the Fancy Realtor, and I Mm -hmm. after like a year or so, and people knew me to this day. They're like, "Hey, Sarah, the Fancy Realtor." I'm like, the reason I didn't use my name is because people have trouble pronouncing my last name, right? But then when I got that million dollar listing and I told you my whole mentality changed, I'm like, guess what? People are going to figure out how to pronounce my name. They're going to learn it. Right. 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 So I changed my name because I'm like, I want people to know my name. Yes. Right. Not like the, the silver team or no, they need to know who Sarah Desimore is as a person and as a realtor. So I changed my name and then I shifted and didn't just post real estate stuff and home decor stuff. I Mm -hmm. just started posting everything. Yes. And it's mostly me. If you look at even my stories, I'm always, yes. I'm like giving rants. Yes. I, I have this thing where um, whenever I, I see crappy listing photos, I like film it and I say commentary. <laughs> I'm like, guys, look at this beautiful. of <laughs> right? Yes. But what that, what's that done is that even other realtors, whenever they see like crappy pictures, they'll post it and they'll tag me. So it just yes. creates another community when you're yourself right? 100%. I'm also 100%. posting my just listed, just souls. That's important. And even there, I'm not posting like a boring picture. I think that aesthetics are very important. Yes. So I use Canva a lot. I, I use the compass, um, the compass tools a lot, just right. to make sure that even if I'm posting a just listed so that it looks nice on my feed and if people are yes. scrolling through it, it's not like blurry or it's not, it doesn't have weird writing that you can't read. So I think that's very important. The aesthetics of what you post and it, it doesn't take long. It literally takes two seconds on Canva. Just making sure that things, you can read them well and that the photos are clear, that they're professional photos Mm -hmm. (laughs) of Mm -hmm. your listings. And because, you know, your listings and what you post, everything is your brand.
0: Yes, yes. Okay, speaking of brand, one of the things that I saw was I went to your YouTube channel and and you've done a great job with YouTube. And a lot of people, you know, like, oh, you know, like I I did this video and I I only got like 300 views. And I'm like, that's 300 people that took their time and maybe 22 of those views were you. So it's, you know, it's 378 or 278 people that watch that video. Like, don't be attached to the number, right? Create good messaging, create good content for the one or the 100 or the 1000 or the 10 million. The video that I loved the most you did was you introducing yourself. Hi, I'm Sarah. I was originally, you know, from Montreal. I'm French Canadian. Like, and when I watched that, I was like, I get her. Why do most agents not have a video like that about themselves?
1: and it's in it's very interesting because it's like when you're when you pick up the phone with a new client you're telling them the same thing but it was more to put a face to a name and people love that another one of the videos and you're speaking of views my first year in real estate i did a video after the first year called nine things you should know your first year in real estate which a lot of people ask me hey you survived your first year you know you didn't quit the business like most people yeah so i just decided to do a video And at the time, I think after like a year, I had like 25 views. (laughs) I had not only that I only have 25 views, but I even had people tell me like, why would you do a video to help realtors? Like you're never going to get a client from that. Why would you do that? Now I have, I think close to 25,000 views and I got a total, I think maybe 12 referrals from that video. Exactly.
0: Exactly.
1: Don't care about the views. Even if it's 25 views, you might still get one person that found it interesting.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah.
1: No, yeah. it's not about it. It's just about putting content out there.
0: So, so wrapping this up, I love the life. Like I I'm in my own reality TV show and I'm just showing the edited version of my life, right? Single mom, <laughs> and sometimes not edited, right? But you're documenting that, you know, it's so much the strategy that Gary's going to be talking about, even, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk this year coming up at summit or whenever you're listening to this, maybe it was, it was, you know, in the past now for you. Um, but there is such an important element in that because you're showing people you're human, you're doing the work, you're out hustling, you're, you're making phone calls, you're inside the MLS, you're showing a house, you're listing a house, you're marketing a house, and people go, I get her, I see what she does. Why do people resist that?
1: That, do you mean why do people resist showing who they are as a person? Yeah.
0: Documenting, because, showing, yep.
1: Because people always want everything to be perfect. Yeah. And that's, that's not what we want. Nobody, remember how back then Instagram, everything had to be perfect before yeah. the video? Yep. And I remember Gary V spoke about it too. He said, no, raw content, Yeah, raw content. Like if I see a peacock, I'm doing a video. I'm like, guys, Coconut Grove has a lot of peacocks. <laughs> yes. right? So, yes. And you know what it, what it does too? And Gary V spoke about that a long time ago. He said, you have to become the mayor of your town. Bingo. So when you're just showing what you're doing, people just see that, oh, she lives in Miami. Oh, she goes to this place and that place. That's what she's doing. That's where yep. she's going around. So it just makes you even more relevant in your market. I find.
0: Right. I agree. I agree. So Sarah, this has been super fun. I was I'm really, you know, I'm A it's really nice to get to know you on this level and you know it's always fun to be the interviewer connecting with this person that so many of my coaches have been raving about. I know Hank, your coach is just going to be over the moon, right? When I told him we were going to do this, he was like, "It's about time. It's about time." So So obviously, you know, people are going to have your contact information. They know where to find you. Our community knows to find you on all the private Facebook pages. Uh, As we wrap this up, what's one last piece of advice you would want to share with every agent on the planet? Because people are going to listen to this, you know, Australia, New Zealand, all over Europe, you know, South America, you name it, people are going to hear it. What do you want to say?
1: Wow. Um, I would say to have a morning routine. That is, I think, the best thing that anyone could do. And as part of your morning routine, to have
0: gratitude.
1: Because I personally had to change, see, you have the I am grateful t-shirt. I got the
0: shirt that says, I am grateful, yes.
1: I had to change my mentality from victim to, to gratitude. Yeah. When I used to be like, oh, I'm a single mom, I'm this, I'm that, but then when you write your, when you talk about gratitude every morning by yourself, journaling, but you know, oh. alone, I realize we are in a business where we have the flexibility to be with our children yeah. and we have the opportunity to make as much money as we want. It's unlimited. So there's a lot to be grateful for. So just having a morning routine and making sure that gratitude's a part of it, that's life-changing.
0: Yeah. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Listen, thank you so much. Love to your daughter. I'll see you virtually at the summit in a couple weeks, yeah, I can't weeks. Right. And I know all the, all the coaches that recommended this are going to be super stoked. We did it. So, um, so listen for all my friends out there, uh, follow her on Instagram. She's absolutely amazing. You'll definitely get a taste and flavor. We'll make these, uh, the two handouts available on tomferry.com on the blog when we release this. So Sarah, I have this vision. I see you making $5 million a year. I'm just planting that seed in your head. So, so just get ready. The next, when we finally get together face to face in a non, you know, COVID environment, I'll tell you exactly how to do it. I'll tease you with that promise.
1: That would be amazing. That's a dream of mine.
0: You got it, my dear. Well, listen, everybody, uh, make sure you share this, heart it up, make a comment or two, you know, give us some stars. Let us know what you think. If you're on the podcast, Podbean or wherever you're listening to this, iTunes, et cetera, et cetera, it always means a lot to me. And uh, we'll keep contributing as much as we can to your greatness. We'll see you all soon on the next podcast.